You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to part two of my conversation with this genius tech, Andy Carluccio of Liminal Entertainment Technologies. Now, you just talked about data, and one of the things my simple self learned this year is how, you know, when Google was doing whatever Google was doing, they found there was all this exhaust and that they could make even more money off of that, what they were calling exhaust stuff, which was all this very intimate information about us individually that actually allows them to hack us and make us do things now. What is the exhaust of this? performance thing that data that you're getting from your work now? I think I'm learning a lot about performers. Um, and that has been critical every time I've, it's, and I'll, I'll tell you about Moliere in the park specifically, because every time I've worked with them, I've learned some really important lessons that have completely changed my practice for the next show that I do with them. Right. So we start with, start with the misanthrope. That was a zoom performance where it was about, you know, virtual backgrounds. And, you know, we started with that kind of stuff. And uh, I learned about how important eyelines are, right? I learned about um, how how the physicality of the script in a reading and how that affects the performer. And I learned about, you know, actors having to turn their videos and mics on and off is really distracting in the middle of a performance, so on and so forth. So then we did Tartuffe and I took away all of, you know, as many of those problems as I could. But I learned things about, you know, the specificity of the facial performance being important. So resolution really mattered. Right. I learned that um, that the uh, the worlds they were that we were constructing, that they were living in, were more convincing if the lighting was consistent. So when we got to School for Wives, we added the lighting component. We added the DSLR cameras to be able to see the, you know, the the performance of the face a little more clearly. Um, now we're gearing up for uh, production of penmanship, where it really is about compositing, treating the actor as a layer in this world. Um you know, going in, in school for wives, we, we played with a little bit of that idea with the fishbowl scene, which I love. I, I go back <laughs> and I, I watch you do that. And I, I get a, I get a real kick out of it when you poke some of the fish <laughs> on screen. I, I find that just so amusing. And I think we're going to lean into some of that now going forward, seeing that as a kind of persistent. So world. tell me a little more about the compositing in penmanship. Like one of the things that I loved when I watched school for wives was the flowers coming out of her dress as this sort of expression of the love that was happening. 
what kind of compositing are you going to be doing in penmanship? I think we're going to be working a lot with, with color as both a presence and an absence. Mm. Um, so we'll be desaturating things here and there. We'll also be you know, super saturating things like sunrises and sunsets. Mm. And um, I think we're going to lead into sort of the old photo feel, um, you know, this idea of imperfection in an image telling us part of the story as well. So we'll layer in some of that grain, some of that um, uh, distortion, uh, decay. I think that'll play a role. Um, and we'll watch it evolve right over the course of the performance. So this, um, uh, we'll, we'll tie that in with key narrative moments. Um, and I think we'll have you know these moments of, of clarity and of color. And I think we'll have these other moments that are really subdued and decayed. Um, and that this will be, of course, all done live. Um, and that compositing will play that role of sort of squashing and stretching the space that we're in. So as you describe that, it sounds to me like you are being a production designer, art design, art director, but like on School for Wives, we had a scenic designer. So tell me the right. difference between what you're doing and what they're doing, because they can't even really know what all the possibilities are that are available in the world that you can see that they don't work in. Well, one of the things that I've loved so much about online performance is how collaborative it has been uh, and how, how much of a privilege that really is. Um, and I think that scenic design, it's like I was saying earlier, you know, we're, what we're trying to do here is, is lean on people's careers and their knowledge and their practice and arm them with that last 5% of knowledge that they need to be able to do it in this medium, right? So, so Lena, um, the, the scenic designer for School for Wives, uh, knows a lot about photography, understands a lot about, you know, um, uh, design and space and structure. And of course, we modified those ideas a lot in this medium. We deconstructed, we broke, we shattered. Um, and what I really enjoy is, you know, for every hour that the, the the cast is rehearsing, I'm rehearsing with the directors and designers, trying to show them how their ideas are translating and tracking, so that they can iterate in real time with their own design practice. Now, I'm sitting there in the media server, and it is an art form for me too. It is, you know, there is a design component of it. The assembly of this thing is itself an artistic practice. Um, but then being able to reflect that back sort of to, we call it like, you know, the pre-visualization process, right? The previewing process that iterates the form ahead of the performance. That workflow has been really fascinating. Mm, tell me a little more about that. Right. So, well, you know, uh, I found that, um, uh, you know, obviously with, with these, with these contracts that we're working under, we have, uh, a lot of time without the actors, um, because of, you know, uh, the restrictions on that. So we've had, uh, for school for wives, we had a digital puppet <laughs> that took the place of every, uh, every actor in the show. So we'd put on these, you know, these mock performances in between all of the rehearsal sessions to see and track and anticipate what was going to happen. Right. So this, there's this fascinating thing that we found with that process where, you know, normally when you're when you're doing theater, right, you will stage it and then you will tech it and then you will perform it. And in this medium, what we've been doing is we've been teching it <laughs> and we've been staging it and then we perform it. So we've reversed it. We we tech the scenes before we rehearse them. And then, of course, we revise and iterate and it kind of blends together eventually. But um, you really have to sort of set up all the variables first. You have to make the world for the performer to act in so you can understand what uh, what that performance really says when you're giving rehearsal notes. So we've been building the show ahead of the actors actually performing the show or, or, or rehearsing the show. This has been fascinating for me. I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours. Um, what is um, a vision you're having 
It may be like a teeny little something that the technology doesn't even exist yet, but like there's something that you're being called to make that you might not even be able to fully describe, but you were like, this thing I'm going to do one day. I'll give you an example of it from something someone told me. I met him like 20 years Please. ago. I met a man, uh, he was a, a physicist at Cambridge, and he said the the digital storage space didn't exist at the time for what he was envisioning as a time when, and I think we're there now, you could um, put on some kind of headset and there would be trackers on athletes and you could experience your sport as if you were various players on the field. But he said at the time there wasn't enough uh, storage possibility on small enough devices to to capture all the data that would be in an athlete doing what they were doing so that you could, you know, move around and be different players in the thing. Wow. That was his vision. <laughs> that's, uh, that's fascinating. Um, I, I would say that for me, I, uh, I have a word for it. It's, uh, it's referred to as volumetric capture. And this is, um, the idea that we're recording in 3d, um, so we and there have started to we're starting to see some prototypes of this concept, but um, I'll give you an example from uh, from my background in projection design. Um, I'm really interested in the relationship between digital media and the body. So I have done a lot of work on making projections that can track and follow dancers. Um, so not just sort of projecting into the space and if the dancer happens to encounter it that's great but actually having projections that track and follow and morph to the shape of their bodies mm. in real time right and and so this is um i would call this live masking or live live projection mapping and the way that i've done this is by putting out um depth cameras into the space and doing some machine learning blah 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 and eventually you end up with this um thing that lets you track the projections well the expansion of this is something called volumetric capture where the cameras are, you know, yes, they're getting this frame and they're getting the, you know, the the color and the um, and and capturing the light, but the in volumetric capture you have potentially hundreds of cameras in sort of a, a dome around the performance space, and it's capturing the 3D location of every every you know pixel in space, um, and it creates this thing called the point cloud. And the reason you do this is that it lets you move the camera in post. It lets you, um, you know move a virtual camera through space and see other sides of the performer move, you know, through performers and experience the space as though it were a 3d model, but it was a physical thing that was captured. And so this idea of volumetric capture, I think is going to become more and more important as we think about yes, film, but also in, in theatrical practice, virtual production, these, these sort of things start to merge together. And I think volumetrics is going to be a huge part of that. So I'm really interested in researching that right now. Okay, so I'm going to see if I can translate that into what I did. I did a play in uh, L.A. called uh, Time Alone, and it was the first time I'd ever seen projections where, I don't know how they were doing it, but the projections were on different walls so that we were just on a blank stage and there were two actors in two separate spaces and they were projecting, so it really looked like 3D spaces. He was in a prison. I was in a kitchen. Uh, they oh. were even able to do things where I, like a ghost of myself, was walking through my kitchen at different times, and I could be <laughs> watching myself at different times in my life. And what you just talked about, there was um, 
a moment where the actor, they were like, he was describing being in solitaire and, and, and kind of just getting the life sucked out of him by vines and the projections were these vines growing just on his body on the stage. Are you talking about something like that? Or are you talking about something totally different? No, that's, that's exactly it. It's exactly it. It's about being able to identify what's in that space and work on specifically those things. Right. So if you want projections that are on this performer, call it a soft body, right? Something that's flexible and not, you know, like a, on a two by four, this is easy, right? On a flat, this is easy. It has a defined shape. <clears throat> you can figure out how to map to that. But on a performer, there's this complex motion and, uh, and being able to map to that as you're just describing with the vines, that's something that I find really, really interesting because it relates the performer's choreography to the digital media and how we experience it. And they modify each other. So I find that really interesting and important. It's this convergence, right, of the two. And, and that to me is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Well, I do think that this digital technology is uh, a performance space is going to be here for a couple more years. And I don't think it's ever going to go away with, you know, uh, I think Moliere in the park said they went from a maximum of 2000 people if they sold out in the real live performance to 40, 50,000 people online. I, I think that this is <laughs> nobody's ever going to go back to just yeah, no one's gonna give nobody's that up. ever giving give that, that up. up. Right. So, I mean, there's not a lot of you who, who else is doing what you're doing in the world. And are you all collaborating with each other and talking to each other and sharing stuff? That's been one of the best parts I think has been the collaboration. So I, I created um, a, a public Slack group for people who are working on this kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. Wait a minute. So you already um, talked to us. What's a public Slack group? So it's a, basically a group chat. Uh, a, a group chat that's open to the public where people can come in and they can ask questions or they can share showcases of what they've been doing. Um, some of them are using our technology. Some of them are not. And we're just, you know, we're just talking about the, the, the medium and it's been great because I've seen a lot of uh, really young people. I've seen high school students joining this and getting mentored by, you know, people with decades of digital media experience. And that's been, that's been a real, a real privilege to be able to help moderate and, and watch that happen. Um, so I think, yeah, it's definitely a collaborative form. I think, you know, right now, um, sort of the independent creatives, the, you know, the, the New York underbelly artists, like those people are, are, are put in a very prominent place right now and they're talking to each other and we're communing and communicating. And, uh, and it's been really fun to watch that group, um, and, and watch how they're mentoring each other and sharing. Ideas. I love how you, you keep saying collaboration because for me, that is like, like sex for me. Like when you're working with another artist <laughs> and you're sharing what the, what's in your head and they're sharing what's in their head. And then the two things come together and they change each other and something new that is, you know, more than the sum of one plus one, uh, that is exciting to me. And I think it's what keeps this space that we live in animated, the back and forth and the back and forth and the, the continuous flow between people. And I think like capitalism and civilization, sort of the storing of things in places and hoarding, you know, de- leads to the degeneration of things. It's got to always be flowing in, in this way back and forth. So you reminded me of this frustration I'm having with some artists I hired. Oh no. <laughs> I hired some people to do some VFX work for me. I, I, I just, I, they were recommended that they were good. I told them what I needed. They, t- they told me what they charged. I told them what I could afford. They told me what they would charge me. And now is, and, and I'm supposed to tell them when they show me things, what's what it looks like. And so I'll say, well, this doesn't look real or that doesn't look like, and 
invariably every thing they say to me is, oh, I'm sorry, you didn't pay us enough money for it to look good. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell does that mean? Like I was shopping for shitty work. Like, is this how you want your work right. to go out into work? Do you want people to see this? Well, it's just the truth. You didn't pay us enough for it to be good. Can you help me even understand it's that? It's the opposite of, <laughs> right. It's so, it's so, it's, it's so antithetical to the way that, that, you know, that collaborators work, right? It's this, it's, you know, in, in the art practice, it's about elevating each other, right? And it's about, it's about pursuing and, and trying to get the best product. In the commercial space, it seems so, so much that it's all about the money and it's all about the, you know, it, it's all about the client um, and employer relationship. And I think that, uh, you know, being a small business owner, I've really tried to resist that. I really tried. And I, cause I can understand, I see the temptation to go that route, right? I can see the, you know, the, the return on investment needs to be there. You, the number of hours that you, you know, that you put on projects have to be balanced to be able to serve all the clients at the same time. To me, that's why I've made a lot of my software free, uh, to the public. Um, it's like, okay, I'm not going to, I don't want to hold the medium back. Right. I want to, I want to provide stuff out there that lets creatives do their best work. Um, and so if that means, you know, becoming completely divested from the product in order to be able to service it the way it needs to be and not hold it back, um, that's what we do. That's exactly what we did with our, with our, um, Zoom OSC technology. So, um, I think you have to, you have to mentally divorce yourself from that workflow. If you're going to be a creative, right. If you're going to be an innovator, um, you, you absolutely have to get out of that mentality as quickly as possible. <laughs> lucky land casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky, lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's caustic. Tell me what the Zoom OSC. See, we talking words. We don't know what these words are. <laughs> I know, I'm coming back. I'm, <laughs> I'm going back. So so I um, I created a tool in, uh, I guess, March, April time frame, right as the pandemic was beginning, uh, to try to make performing on Zoom easier. And the way I approached the problem was by making Zoom work like a console, right? We have light boards, sound boards. We have these, these things that we have in theater that technicians are used to working with. So I made Zoom act like one of those. Um, and the tool is called Zoom OSC. It's a free download from our website. It's uh, compatible with Mac and Windows. We try to make it as you know easy to use as possible. And the idea is it just gives you more control of Zoom. Let's you build queues for a Zoom show. Let's you um, rearrange the, the gallery view as needed. Um, it lets you treat your actors like cameras in a media server, right? If, if they were uh, part of a, if you're working as a projection designer, you're familiar with input sources and compositors and projector outputs. Um, so we pair nicely with media servers to be able to do that stuff. And the whole software is free. Um, and we, because we really think that it's a, it's a helpful tool. It's not, it's not a, um, an end to end product. It's a tool that helps your workflow. 
Um, and so we, we made that available this summer and we've actually just released uh, a new update to it. So, um, we're, uh, it's an active development for us. Um, but it is something that we put out there to try to help, uh, the online zoom performances. Now I'm twice your age. You have, you know, of the life you've already had, you might have three or four more lives left. <laughs> what I, are you, so. I mean, you know, if we take the number of years you already have, you might have th- right, three more right, of them. Right, right, right. What do you think you're going to do with it? That's a great question. I, I don't know, to be honest. And um, I uh, I know that whatever I end up doing and wherever wherever I go next, um, I want to be in a collaborative space. I don't want to be, um, you know, locked away in some office, just, you know, um, putting things out in the world and hoping that people use them. I want to be right there with them, engaging with it. To me, the that's the only way I can make, right? I can't. I, can't, I would not be able to build the software that I build if I was completely isolated from the people who. But you told me them. you're in your basement. I have to be in the field with them. <laughs> I am, but I'm in my basement by myself. I am more connected to people than I've ever been in my entire life. Um, I, I am able to. I've spoken to more people. I have met more people. I've gotten more perspectives. I have uh, learned more things about the world than I have. Uh, throughout the entire rest of my life. And it's been in these, you know, six to nine months that we've had in lockdown. Uh, and that is, that is a privilege. That is privilege. Um, and that is, uh, a, a I got to understand how it could happen. You just came from being in a college. You were in rooms with yes. hundreds of people every day. How has this space been different? It's the difference between seeing people and knowing people, right? I've, I've, uh, certainly probably, like observed fewer people, right? I've, I've, I have uh, not incidentally encountered as many people. But one of the things that I found with this medium is that when everybody hops on a Zoom call, there's an intimacy to that space. And um, I have, I have met a lot of artists, right? We work, we've worked with um, thousands of different shows now through Zoom OSD and Streamweaver. Um, and I've always, and I've had, you know, we had consultations with people from academic theater to children's theater to off-Broadway productions, right? And they bring their production teams and we chat and get to know each other. I learned about the projects they're working on. They learn about our software and our back end. And we've really gotten to know each other in that period of time um, through the intimacy of this medium, right? So I'll say that, you know, even though I may have encountered, you know, more people on a college campus uh, in this time, and especially in the arts world, because of how welcoming and, and the dispositions that people have in this space and the expectation of collaboration, that exists in the performance world. Um, I've really gotten to know more people in this time frame. Now, now I have to ask you this: Are you living with your family? So you are. There are some human beings that you're having contact with during this time. Okay. There are some human beings. Yes, there are. <laughs> other, there are other humans uh, in the proximity. Uh, so I'm not totally okay. isolated uh, in that sense. But that has also been good um, to spend some time and, and to be a family and to uh, um, to have this. Uh, this bonus time <laughs> that we weren't expecting. Now, now you're in Virginia, right? And my, I am. Yep, just that's not a my movie, uh, Red Pill, takes place in Virginia. Do you, you know, I've been thinking a lot about uh, immersive technology and like VR and its capacity to increase empathy and stuff. What do you think this technology you're creating, is, is there a way that it can be used to, counter fake news disinformation uh you know foment social justice and equality well i think that's definitely been a uh, a serious goal for us you know we i'm i'm really happy to say that the majority of work that's been produced with zoom osc and streamweaver has been cats who are people of color 
Um, and that has been, I think, critical. I know I, I see this as, um, you know, for all the things that, that COVID has done, it's been terrible in the world. It's been a, it has leveled the playing field in a big way. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's allowed me to see perspectives and to see, um, uh, uh, work elevated to the forefront of sort of the public consciousness that is not just your, your, your commercialized, you know, Disney products or your, or your Broadway work, but it's been the community theater. It's been the, it's been the performance artist, like I was saying earlier. And it's been, um, you know, I, I thought it was fascinating to have an all women cast of, in school for wives. And those kind of things are now at the forefront, right? Those are the things that we're, that we're consuming in the public consciousness. And, and that has been the most common deployment of our tech which has been super exciting for me. Uh, that's again, that's why that's another part of the reason why Zoom OSC is free. I'm trying to democratize this. I'm trying to get it into as many hands as possible. So there isn't this sort of pay to play barrier to entry um, to be able to get your work out there and to get quality work out there, not just work that you feel, you know, that you're constantly constrained by. Like a lot of, I think a lot of people I work with do feel frustrated about, you know, about Zoom and having to use it to do their work. But once we can get them engaging with the practice they uh and we give them some tools that liberate their skills in the medium then they really engage with it and so that i think in terms of the democratization of things about the dissemination of of, of work and information that trying to create the tools that help them get their work out there and help them make the work look the way they want it to look and feel the way they want it to feel uh combats this sort of constructed narrative that um you know gets gets shoved into our our brains every time we turn on television right so it has been such a pleasure to get to like pick your brain as we wrap it up is there anything that you came today that you wanted to talk about or share that i like was like no i want to know this is there something that i didn't ask you that you really wanted to to share about what you do the only other thing I'd like to say is just, uh, again, to express gratitude to all of the um, the performers and to all of the producers and directors who are out there right now who looked at the challenge of our current time and said, I'm going to create something. And I am, you know, despite the circumstances, despite the socioeconomic, sociopolitical environment that I'm in, the uh, the health conditions that, you know, that we're experiencing right now, so that, that I am going to continue to create no matter what that takes. I have an enormous amount of respect for those people. And, and it's not been easy. You know, actors right now are being their own technicians, as you know, um, you know, the, 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 they're doing the heavy lifting. And uh, when you experience their work, um, I just I just want people to know how much is going into that, how much of a personal investment people are making at this time. And I think, you know, I, I started this company because community theaters around me were having to shut their doors. So they didn't feel like they had another option. Um, and I wanted to do something about that. And I have just the deepest gratitude to, to everybody who's continuing to make right now. Thank you for doing so. Uh, the the arts right now are perhaps uh, least visible, but most needed. And I'm hoping that through the the digital work that we're doing, it actually can be more present and prevalent than it ever has been before. And I want to say, just for people who don't understand what it means, is they shipped a whole thing <laughs> with computers, microphones, lighting, cameras, a whole bunch of cords. I had to buy green screen. I had to buy voltage things because the current in Korea and the current in America are different. I think it's amazing that Edison is so famous and he was wrong. That is one of the <laughs> things that excites me. And we had to be talked right. through, you know, setting up all this, this stuff with the internet. And the, I mean, it was, 
I, I don't remember any of it. You know, I have that short-term memory and out <laughs> kind of thing. But uh, my last question to you, Andy, is can you think of anything in your life that was really horrible to you at the time, but when you look back at it now, it was actually really turned out to be a great thing? Absolutely. Um, I think that um, if I look at, um, maybe it's cliche, but looking at this moment um, uh, in the spring, you know, uh, lost my job, um, lost, um, you know, uh, as trivially as it was like you know, graduating um, and, uh, and, and, and seeing friends and, you know, all of those things that, you know, might be trivial, lost some loved ones. Um, that, you know, that hit, that hit home and the pandemic has, you know, has really been, um, a terrible thing for a lot of people. I've been, you know, super privileged that I'm, you know, I'm in good health, but, um, it definitely has been a challenging time, but, uh, like I said, it's opened me up in a huge way. Uh, it has changed the trajectory of my life, but it has allowed me to, uh, experience the world in a totally new way. And I think looking at this side of it now, if you had told me, you know, in February, March, as things are starting to shut down, that this was going to be the most exciting, most invigorating, most important time of my life, um, I would have said, no, I'm going to be sheltering in a bunker for, you know, for six to eight months. And I'm not going to, no way, no way. And, um, and you know, you know uh, uh, this is a blow to early career professionals, right? But, but no, this has been um, the most incredible adventure. Uh, and again, I can say that from a position of privilege. I know it hasn't been for, for many, many people, but um, I'm hoping that that experience to me is able to, to help or entertain or, you know, whatever, whatever I can do um, to, to give back for the, uh, the privilege of this moment. Um, it really has been a blessing in hindsight. Thank you, Andy Carluccio of Liminal Entertainment Technologies. I'm Tanya Pinkins. This is You Can't Say That on the Broadway Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to You Can't Say That, the show where you can. I'm Tanya Pinkins, and You Can't Say That is part of the Broadway Podcast Network, produced by Dory Berenstein and Alan Seals, edited by Derek Gunther, with music by Kat Dale. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast highly wherever you stream. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Tanya Pinkins. And to learn more, visit bpn.fm forward slash YCST. Stay safe. You is kind. You is smart. You is important. You is dead. Tanya Pinkins' horror film, Red Pill, brings African-American perspective to progressive movement. We are a majority in this country. And we're going to win the election. Do you know what the red pill is? A red pill is someone who infiltrates a group and then destroys them from the inside. This place is spooky. Some people like to live dangerously. Gas, why are you so jumpy tonight? You know what, guys? I'm gonna go back tomorrow. Did you hear about the creature woman that attacked a father and son hunting down here? I don't see the case. This place creeps me out. Ah! 
think we should call the sheriff's office. The only people missing or dead are brown people? They're after all of us. What do we do, Amelia? We die. But we take some of them with us. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.